You've reached Moody's Never Say Die Hard, a moonlighting podcast with Kevin and Chez. Each week we watch the next episode, available Friday, for you to download. For each break in the case, we have laughs for your face. For every twist and thrill, we have jokes that kill. Some fly by night, some fly by day. So let us now join Addison and Hayes. All major credit cards accepted. Hello and welcome to Moonies Never Say Die Hard, a moonlighting podcast with Kevin and Chez. Hi, Chez. Hey, Kevin. How are you? Great. I'm Just better now great. that this episode is over. This was... My <sighs> God. Did they think they were being canceled? <laughs> canceled in the traditional sense of the word. Oh, yeah, yeah. This, like the show wasn't going to go on, so they wanted one last ridiculous thing to happen. This... What we've been doing lately is we're trying to orient people by saying tonight on Moonlighting. I mean, yeah. write a little encapsulation episode. This right here is all I wrote, which is this. Yeah, I just... wrote sigh because I <laughs> because I felt it. And all it was is seriously, Kev, what the hell was this? I don't. <laughs> I just. It didn't. <laughs> <laughs> the show didn't even. We're not going to be linear at all today. I'm just saying, uh, we normally go through the episode exhaustively. I don't even think the episode ended. I know the credits rolled, but I don't think they finished the show. I don't think the episode followed the episode. <laughs> I think at some point the episode just shrugged its shoulders and said, this was both the shortest and longest episode. Remember how we talked about time dilation on the train last week? Yeah, yeah. This was this in narrative form, not just simply the This... The first time, because I watch it straight through and then I watch it to take notes because we're professionals. We're dedicated. Oh, yeah. I watched it twice myself. Damn I it. watched it. I watched it <laughs> twice myself. And both times there I have seen a lot of bad movies in the movie. There, and people are allowed to say whatever their bad movie is. I hated the movie Hook. Hook lasted four and a half days for me. The worst movie. And remember, I have seen Tom and Jerry. <laughs> I saw Tom and Jerry with you via Zoom, but I saw the original Dune, and I saw, I can't believe, uh, the, the goddamn Marvel Duck movie. Why am I forgetting its name? Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck. I eagerly went to see that, and that was a fiasco. I, I lost all street cred going the Marvel Duck movie, by the way. But the worst one was The Village. I hated every moment of The Village. Did I hate every moment of this? No. Did it last as long as The Village and make as much sense? Yes. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The Village was all about everything in service of the twist. This is all about, and is it okay if I blow the ending? Sure. This is all leading to a cream pie fight. At a, at a foreign dignitary dinner. <laughs> at a state dinner, a cream pie fight, when, they have, when they're serving cream pie, when clearly they just served the entree. That's the other thing that annoyed me. Not that it was a cream pie fight alone, but yeah. they didn't know the order of food service. And frankly, at a state <laughs> dinner, they should be on top of this. We're going to get to this again because we kept getting to this because we got stuck. Oh, this episode. I can't even. <laughs> what did they do to our mood lighting? <laughs> Last week was chef's kiss. And it seemed that, I mean, it's been an up and down little ride, but this was just roller coaster straight into the bowels of hell. I mean, I know that sounds like hyperbole, but it isn't. This do we want is to an quickly episode... say what the episode did, like what happened in it, and then just complain because that's what i wanted to <laughs> oh no that's the other way so let's do the who wants to launch into what i don't know <laughs> i'll talk a little at the beginning you fill in details or anything. Sure. so yeah like a lot of moon and lighting episodes and like a lot of mystery shows we don't see the main characters we see the person who's going to be involved or the person who's going to die this person's going to die 
it's a man coming out of a gate in an elevator and there are a whole bunch of family members at another gate because this was at a time you didn't need the ticket to just storm an airport gate. Just go wherever <laughs> you wanted to go. Maybe just wander into the plane and wish someone luck on their flight. The pilot, hey, how's it going? Just went to myself, leave. He finds out a flight from Lisbon went down, which I got to tell you, that was the yeah. only moment of joy. Portugal got mentioned. <laughs> I'm sure when my mom saw this episode, she was deliriously happy, despite the fact apparently 150 Portuguese people die on this plane. But she was like, hey, we made it. When we get to episode 69 and we finish this, and hopefully this is the last one that's like this, I, <gasps> let's let's keep a count of, of Portugal mentions. We're at one. We're at one. <laughs> and already, I don't know. I, no, this was actually more in the second viewing, because by the first one, I was already it was already deadly dose. And the second one, like you mentioned before, we do the deep dive. That's how we got, you know, that's how we learned all about the killing field. Mm-hmm. So I decided the flight number here is 772. I, we're not going to go into detail. I already told you the thing. So I decided to look it up, say, hey, maybe this will be a fight. Oh, God, no. Flight, the story of flight, the real flight 772? No. So it didn't help. I could, I didn't even have that because I read that. It's like, well, this is miserable. <laughs> and I'm not even trying to make a joke, but. But he comes out, this guy comes out of the plane, looks at it, sees the thing, he asks someone else what's going on, and they say flight from Portugal went down, and he was supposed to be on that flight. And this is when we hear, for the first time, a lot of times, the theme music from Vertigo. Because this episode has Hitchcock aspirations, it never comes even close Oh my to. god, they just kept playing that music. It was driving me nuts. Have you ever seen The Third Man? No. So the third man's famous for his zither soundtrack, which is famous and a lot of people love it. And it's good. But by minute 40 of all zither, you start to lose your mind. Yeah. And I start to lose my mind with this. And I'm pretty sure 95 percent of the budget went to scoring that music. I mean, yeah, they're getting it the right vertigo music, right? Like it actually is that they didn't. It's the, make, I, like, I believe Bernard Herman. Yeah. Something loosely based on it. I think it was it. Anyway, he was supposed to be on that. He gets on the phone for reasons we're not quite sure about his credit card, which we don't know. And it's been canceled because he's been declared dead. When they tell him who did it, which we don't hear, he's not surprised. (sighs) No, I mean. (laughs) (laughs) So this guy that got off the plane was supposed to be on a plane that crashed. He is assumed to be dead. He turns out to be a spy. Right. We're going to find this out piecemeal over time, but we don't have the patience. Doesn't matter. He, he's he's a spy. He has this very important document, Communicate. which I guess is the mail. The first yeah, time he, that I got through this, I said, there was no mail. <laughs> the murder's in the mail, but I saw no mail. I didn't see a postage stamp. <laughs> I didn't see a postmark. I didn't see this taking four weeks longer than I should have to get there. But the second time I watched it through, they... Before they called it a communique, which is a very spy word, very they, called it, word. they called it a letter. They said it's a letter, then they called it a communique. So anyway, he has this letter. He calls into whatever spy shop, essentially. He goes to his location to, to check in and say well, he, he has this communique. People are after him. He needs to come in from the spy world and debrief and whatever, whatever spies do. Whatever spies do. Well, yeah. I mean, the agency is clearly the CIA. Yeah. His connection is at the uh, confessional booth at a church. Yeah. I've never been to confession, so I'm going to assume this is what confessions are like. I Anyway, he 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 checks in. They say lay low, someone'll contact you eventually. Right. Well, they keep saying the agency, we don't know the agency yet. We're going to tell it's you he's a double spy for the CIA. He's pretending sure. <laughs> to be a Russian agent. You'll find this out again. Yeah. Also, I don't even care I don't even care how Maddie and David get involved. 
Because it doesn't even matter. He, when he does this, when he mentions this, his name, by the way, is Windjammer, which is a great game, by the way. It used to be on the old Nat Geo. I've played Windjammer. Windjammer is like a disc tennis game, like a version of Pong, which very 80s graphics, even though it came out in the mid-90s. It's a fun game. Check it out. I think you can get it on PlayStation. That's our ad, by the way. We now have our sponsorships. PlayStation, Nat. No, it's actually Nat Geo, the game system that died in 1995. You're going to love it. 16 (laughs) bits of heaven. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. <your> way. <laughs> and if that's not for you, have you heard of Dreamcast? <laughs> but, <laughs> have you heard of the Odyssey 2? What we also find out is so he he then gets to his apartment building. This is Mystery Guy, by the way, who eventually we're going to find out his name is Roy Hirsch. We're just giving you this all this detail. He gets to his apartment building and a guy says, wow, you had a lot of work done in your apartment building while you were away. He seems surprised by what work. Yeah. At this time, also, he has arrived there in the most New York City cab I've ever seen in L.A. But that's the cab every TV show and movie uses, so it sticks out from all the other cars. If you ever notice, it's always, up until like the late 90s, it was always an old-fashioned New York cab. Because if you did an overhead shot, it was easy to spot. He gets there, then he's about to enter his apartment, and he thinks twice. Because some semblance of intelligence is finally kicked. At this point, maybe he even thinks his cat has hacked into his account, which would be remarkable, not because the cat was able to do it, but anyone was able to hack it in 1985. I was thinking about cats hacking in at this point. I was already losing it. <laughs> his his house has been, or his apartment's been booby-trapped by another guy trying to get this piece of mail communique. With a crossbow. I know. No, the only reason I'm saying the crossbow is because yeah. this is the second mention of the crossbow in the series. Remember Psychic oh. Lasers? And they said the crossbow was the weapon that was supposed to all end all oh, wars. Yeah. I think someone... I think someone on the writing staff invested heavily in medieval armor armament, <laughs> and they just want to push this. They're hoping if we get nothing out of the six shows, because clearly we're not getting a second season after this episode. I just want someone to buy a freaking crossbow. I will say the crossbow bothered me because if you stared at it, it was the crossbow was rigged to the front door. So if right. you there was a string to the trigger, if you pulled the door open, entered the apartment, the crossbow would go off. The problem for me was that the the direction of the arrow was pointed parallel to the rope on the door which went to the top corner of the door so if you opened it you're going to shoot above the door <laughs> with the crossbow <laughs> it seemed like the same genius physics you would see in old shorts when they would try to pull a tooth by using a doorknob yeah it's like the same level of intelligence was put in that because you're absolutely right it would have overshot unless our man out from the cold was six foot 11, which he was not. He was just normal size. Anyway, so should we get to David and Maddie or just leave them out of this? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just quickly get through it. David and Maddie need a case, Maddie's, as usual. As usual. Maddie okay. is freaking out over finances. Yeah, doesn't have a case. David, David's being David. Yeah, David comes in and says he has a case after she's all freaked out. I know there's other details. We'll I get back to them. We'll, we'll, we'll get to him. There's other details he, because he makes there's them a book. Join. We need to discuss a book later. But yeah. Yeah. He makes them uh, join with a collection agency to get half. They'll get half of whatever they collect from people that the collection agency is having trouble getting their collections from. Just speed through it. We'll, we'll cover all the details <laughs> later. Yeah. We'll, we'll cover what each one has a reaction so to and everything. One of, these, one of these people that they're collecting from is Hirsch. So they call Hirsch, and that's how they get involved, because they show up after Hirsch has been killed by this other guy who failed with the crossbow, but did fine with his bare hands. They find dead Hirsch 
in the in the room. They go and get a detective, bring him back. The body's gone, and replacing Hirsch is the guy who killed Hirsch, posing new Hirsch. as a new Hirsch. New Hirsch. This piques David's interest because he's psyched that they have another cool case that's definitely not going to pay them any money that they can He also do. gets turned on by dead bodies, we're beginning to realize. <laughs> this is like that movie Crash we discussed last week. I don't know what's going on. But yeah. So now they're all in. We're not. They are. And, and they go back to the apartment. They find this piece of mail. The CIA guy shows up to find the piece of mail, too, sees that it's gone. Somehow, we don't know he's CIA at that point. We'll find yeah. out later. Somehow supposedly. finds out that they're at the Blue Moon Detective Agency, but doesn't also have the due diligence to figure out what they look like. I actually have a, I actually have an explanation for that one. Okay, great. So the CIA guy is at Blue Moon waiting for them. Fake Hirsch is in the Blue Moon office. I, I'm getting a it chase happens. A chase, a chase happens. happens. They get finally CIA got caught guy. by the CIA guy. The CIA guy explains the whole thing of what's going on. That some information dump. dump yeah, that a CIA guy, a real CIA guy, maybe wouldn't just give to these two random strangers. But whatever. Pretty CIA pretty guy cool. takes the piece of information from David, finds out that there is a hit being done on a Chinese dignitary with a mole a on his nose yeah. at the state dinner. So he takes that information and leaves. David and Maddie decide that he might not have been above board and he might be there to kill the dignitary. They go to the state dinner, sneak in, undercover, whatever. It doesn't matter how they get in. There's a food fight that ensues. They pin the CIA guy, fake CIA guy down and the credits roll before anyone is arrested, before the gun is even taken away from the CIA guy that was trying to kill the Chinese dignitary. I And it just rolled, he freeze-framed on moonlighting, and that was the end. So I don't thank know. you very much. Whatever. We want to thank you for our first season of Moonlighting. <laughs> this has been a lot of fun. I thought you're describing it every so often. It was like, I, I felt bad. I was your unhyped guy. I was like, yeah, it's even worse. <laughs> I think I said doesn't matter so many times because it didn't. None of it, it mattered. Anything of import that happens in this episode is explained in the last 10 minutes, which is really good narrative writing. <laughs> really, really sharp. So we're going to fill in a couple of details for our own amusement because that's the only way we can get through this. Actually, if you want to know, that's the whole point of this podcast. But still, <laughs> here's the last line I wrote in my notes. The very last line. Yeah. I can't, Kevin. I just can't. Yeah. I was writing it to me. I was writing it to you. I was writing it to the middle distance. It needed to be said. Yeah, Thank yesterday, you, Kevin. after we were, after I watched it, because I think you were waiting for me to have the same reaction as you, because you watched it before me. Like I was so before. nervous. You were, I was so nervous you, you were <laughs> not going to have the same reaction. I didn't know what Jez, to do of the, after wasn't that. Wasn't that the best episode in the world? <laughs> and you're sitting there with your phone going, yeah. Yeah, because that's what I would have said. Yeah. And, I think that would have ended our podcast. <laughs> if we were in disagreement about this episode, if someone went, now that was a strong, that, that they, they, they landed this first season, which I'm going to say, I think they landed the, the second season of Loki, probably I think, but I think they did. Landing. So if they had pulled off, at least in my eyes, this here, if you had thought that, then. Uh, if this ended, if this ended with Maggie, Maddie doing the same thing that Loki it does. It might as well be Maggie. It doesn't matter at this point. <laughs> if Maddie, yeah, because the writers obviously don't know who they had to work with. No. <laughs> it's, it's a who Jackie situation for Roseanne. <laughs> <laughs> oh, should we explain that? I don't know. 
Yeah, play, explain that, actually, All because right. the 90s are a long time ago. All right, so on Roseanne, Roseanne was a stand-up comic before she was a TV series star, and she brought in uh, one of her fellow comedian friends, stand-up friends, to write for the show on one of the seasons. I, I don't even know which season. It was just a friend who had never watched Roseanne, and they a were pitching... Friend. <laughs> they were pitching ideas for the show and one of the plots or one of the street like things that they were going to do in the episode involved Jackie and this person goes who Jackie and that's like a story for all TV writers and people yeah, who want to do comedy find out about but yeah so Maddie Maggie fine Maddie Ma- by the way I like so I got my friend on the show who's never watched my show <laughs> Which at that point was the number one show. So that's yeah. doubly kind of weird. Also, <laughs> listen, I used to love Roseanne, the show. Let me stress the, the show. Jackie was, I mean, Laurie Metcalf is just fantastic no matter what she does. And she was like the heart. She, the Roseanne worked because they had really good people. It was sort of like Seinfeld. You get really good people around the comic. Why are we talking about this? Because this episode does not <laughs> give us any meat. It gives us gristle. It's just an episode of gristle. If Maddie did the exact same thing that Loki does at the end of season two, at the end of this episode, instead of the food fight, I would have been like, all right, yeah. same, same, it makes the same amount of sense. Yeah. We're not going to say what the ending is. Yeah. I, not I wanted here. to say it, but I felt yeah. it's too close to when, since everybody listens to our podcast immediately. Oh. I think <laughs> we they're don't listening ruin. to this episode now. They are so hungry for our episodes. <laughs> we haven't even posted it and they're hearing this. It's a live feed. They got raw feed of us. <laughs> All right. So you, by the way, fantastic job summarizing an episode that has no summary. Uh, Uh, That's all. Kevin and I talk a lot. We just like hanging out with each other. And Kevin always has the greatest exasperation noise. mm -hmm. I can't do it justice, but it's always equivalent. How do can you do it? I can't do it because my voice goes a little higher when my voice is so low. I'm not a monkey chess. No, you're goddamn jukebox. You play the hits. Play the hits, Kevin. (laughs) Just like David does with every goddamn Motown song. Play the hits. See, there you go. You heard it. That scene with the Motown song. You you hear that noise Kevin is making? Mm. While I was watching this episode the first time, and even more the second time, because we're professionals, all I kept hearing was that coming from you. Mm -hmm. Because all I could... The exasperation was so complete, was so rich and creamy <laughs> that my own exasperated noise wasn't enough. I needed to up the game and recall your exasperated noise. All right. So again, we have discussed that we like that this is a, a show about a struggling agency. They're not in the chips. It isn't, you know, especially in the 80s when everything was go, go, go business, because that's not what but everything was go, go, go business. The fact that they're scrappy, that they're underdogs makes you It's a smart narrative move. You cheer Mm -hmm. for them. It's a narrative move that was not created for this episode because every narrative decision created for this episode was the wrong move. Everything. It might be, is there one or two things that work? Yeah. Yeah. There there was stuff that was funny. There was stuff that was There were things that were funny. Yeah, there were. But for for the whole of the episode, and I just still can't get over the fact that it just ends. They are in a wrestling struggle with a guy with a gun while... A state dinner is having a fettuccine slash cream pie food fight around them. So and it, dairy and heavy. it goes so straight dairy to heavy. credit. 
Like no, no one gets arrested. No one gets. It, there's no resolution. <laughs> I would not have been surprised if this episode had stopped mid-syllable. So, I, and that would be it. And then the credits roll. So we're, as I said, we're jumping around because even if we win linear, you heard everything. And did it? Did it thrill you? No. Did it thrill us? No. So let's 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 all entertain ourselves. So David does his usual joking thing. There are really scant memorable lines and one that almost worked until you thought about so david does the the alexander graham bell when he's trying to say you should do something even though if you don't believe it's going to work or even if you don't have that did alexander graham bell he made the phone even though there was no one else he could call so he made the phone but why make phone there's no one else to call and eventually everyone else said okay i have to stop the ringing and they all bought a phone call and it worked and you listen to that Uh uh where the hell is the ringing coming from if they don't have phones what ringing is bothering them that they had to make get the phone to answer the ringing when if they didn't have the phone? It did, this And the reason I'm pointing this out, because uh-huh. when you hear it the first time, it's like, oh, it's kind of cute. And then yeah. a second later, you pause and you go back and you do it with captioning because the stereo on most flat screen TV sucks. And you do that again. There's a laziness here. And I'm pointing this say, out because there's a laziness. This episode was so bad that I was fine with it. <laughs> I was fine with it, too, until the second I go back. It's like, but that doesn't make sense. Yeah. David, in this episode, before he announces he's got a new client, which I agree with Maddie. Maddie. Yeah. Now I'm going to say Maggie, which I agree with Magpie, which I agree with Maddie is not a great client to have. It's not. a. It, but it does seem like a detective agent, a real detective agency client, because most detective agencies, I don't think, are all murder all the time. I think that's what homicide is for. Let's let's. Did I, did I stop your. Of where you were oh, going. Oh, it doesn't matter. We'll find okay. our way back. <laughs> Let's say one thing we liked. <laughs> I like at the beginning when we go to the Blue Moon Detective Agency, they are going through the bills. Agnes is bringing the bills one at a time to Maddie so that we see that they're, you know, still millions of dollars in debt as we established last episode. <laughs> And Maddie goes off on this rant about how they need to rent less expensive furniture and no more overtime and all that. And then very funnily, you saw the setup coming, but still David barges in and says, we got a piano coming in. We got to get rid of the front window just for a second. And we're going to winch in a pool table and remove a window and they're going to lower it from the roof and bring it in. It's going to be great. And so that's funny to me. It was a good setup for we're in so much debt. And then somebody comes in and says, we bought thousands of more things. It was good. That, that's funny. That was good. I, liked it. You, I agree with you. You knew the joke was coming. Yeah. But he sells it well. It's funny. It's seeing the guys work it in. And he was like, they got a, I forgot the reference he makes. You, you can get a ship into a bottle. You can get the piano. in Because, yeah, she she's trying to cut expenses, which you think would be get rid of everybody except Agnes. But here's the thing. The expenses apparently are, are bills. So that's not even dealing with paychecks. All What she's dressing bills, which are not paychecks. And I don't know what the bills are for. Gas? That's the only thing I could think of. We don't find out till later that David's got a gun. Because as we've discussed on this show, yeah. 110% of the population, according to Moonlighting, has a gun. Now, is it shocking David has a gun? No, he's a private detective. There's no surprise there. I think here's our, here's our here's my stretch of a connection. He took it from under the bar at the ground round. <laughs> so it's not like Mo and the Simpsons where he has the old school rifle. They have a gun. Kind yeah, of thing. I just have a gun taped under the 
the bar top. Yeah. He just went there, and now the ground round is ready to be taken. (laughs) (laughs) They can just be run over by any lowlife that's drinking at the anvil. They just go straight there. So it's not weird that David has a gun. No. And Maggie, dear God, you had to save Maggie. That was screwed. (laughs) No, 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 no. So Maddie, what's weird is that Maddie, I understand Maddie not wanting to see again. I understand Maddie not being happy around guns. She's been around guns a lot this season, but I understand not wanting to have a gun in possession. What's curious is that she's shocked by the gun. And if she's shocked by the gun, then I think her next question is, why the hell haven't you pulled that out the last five cases whenever we're going to be shot? You have been armed the entire time. I'm not saying you to kill someone, but at least whip that thing out, which is not the best phrasing I could use at that right, point. No, but, but just you're right. How? Yeah. I mean, if he's been armed the entire time. When that guy was what? shooting at him with the extra bullets, the guy from the radio station. Which was a good joke. The, back. Yeah, he has a seventh bullet. I hate when someone I mean, he doesn't does want to shoot anybody. I guess he doesn't yeah. want to shoot anybody. Well, we have, no, no, no. Remember last episode, we were theorizing he might be a serial killer. Remember, we're already theorizing oh, not only is he the heir to the ground round fortune, but there's a good chance he was an ex-con. And that and which, a potential the, serial killer that he hasn't been caught for. Right. Because, this is not a knock on ex-cons. I'm not saying yeah. that. But he is clearly that he is. We're going to assume committed the crime that he went to prison for. And because even when he mentions this debt collecting agency and say, like, do you know? And it's like, well, I've had reason to work with him before. It's like, what, as an enforcer? And I actually or, do like or, this part of it. Or he has debts and he yeah. worked out a deal with them to do unscrupulous stuff to get out of his debts. Yeah, he killed a few people. What I, I do like how they're mysterious with David's background. I think that's actually a fun touch. I actually like knowing less than more about David in the background. One, it works for our joke benefit. Are they mysterious or are we just putting this all in? Well, oh, we're putting it all in. What it is, <laughs> is we don't know a lot about David. All yeah. we know is that he apparently, according to, all we know is from the opening credits. He lives in an alleyway near a dim sum place. Yep. That's all we know. That's all you have to know. And, and, and he's packing now. That's all we know. So David, which I agree, I, I'm going to get to what I like, but I just want to, since mm-hmm. we're in this area. So, and I did like this. David has gotten the piano. He even got a satellite dish, which mm-hmm. back then, in case you didn't know, were huge. Satellite yeah. dishes weren't like a little thing you connected. It was basically like just putting a, a, a jacuzzi on a 90 degree <laughs> angle and putting it on a little podium. You know, it was just, they were huge. You, I don't know how one, did you try again? My, phone dis- my phone got excited. You know who he could blame? Who should be on top of this? Our cat intern. Oh, we're not how gonna, is the cat? Not how, gonna, how, how is Kiki doing? Uh, and honestly, Kiki is doing well. I took off her cone so she could eat, and she is sleeping so soundly I haven't put it back on yet because she's not licking yeah, her belly. But okay. she's eating. She's down to one medication. She gets it off next week. She's, uh, she's running around at night. I still sleep on the couch. So I can monitor and she just flops right on top of me. And when I have to move or anything, she just basically goes, she is like, it's just like moving a bag of sugar. And then mm-hmm. I get back on and she just moves back on it. She is a remarkably peaceful cat. So thank you very much. So peaceful. I should say she's sleeping and we are at work, which is problematic. That, that might have been short sighted on our part in hiring a cat. I have to buy my health insurance. That was it. Buying my health insurance and re-upping my co-op insurance for next year was more fun than watching <laughs> this episode. So David gets all this, and he's inspired by a book. Oh, so I actually have to... Da, 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 I have everything. Like, I have the name and the author. Uh, okay, so the name the name of the book... Is Being Second Stinks. 
You know what? I heard that, and my immediately I thought, you know what? I would have liked as in a title instead. Sucks to be two. Oh, that is so much better. And you know what? I and I don't mean to articulate arm as to pat my own back, but even I like uh, that so much that Kevin and I are writing "Sucks to Be Two. And in <laughs> fact, during my notes here, I think I kept referring to the book as "Sucks to Be Two. I'm not saying the greatest title, but I'm saying no, look out from Kevin is, and I, we're doing a business book. That is a fantastic title. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is very rare that I write anything and go, oh, I'm excited to say that part because I was excited about nothing in this episode. <laughs> but I like that. You're I like the idea right. of the two book. of us writing a business book when I have no idea how any business works. <laughs> I have one of my earliest jobs was the head copywriter, which meant the only copywriter. So there's no thing in that of the Random House Juvenile Division. And that meant writing a lot of ad copy for Dr. Seuss books. That meant writing a lot of ad copy in Dr. Seuss rhyme by the 10th ad. I would have taken David's gun and used it on myself. You're going to find out how painful that is in a little while because we <laughs> kind of skipped over what is proves to be one of the most interminable scenes I've ever seen. So much there is so much filler and no killer in this episode. It it is all it's like you buy a really you buy eight pounds of steak and you end up with four ounces of meat. It's all fat. Things take forever. Now, there is there is a classic moonlighting chase sequence yeah now i have a buzzer here that i was going to hit when we mentioned classic moonlight chase sequence but i can't be happy about excited about anything but should we ever get to a thing i just want to give do you mind if i play it sure i do too this i got from the game show network because i mentioned them in my comic strip once and they sent it to me as a thank you it is one of the one benefits you get for being a cartoonist. <laughs> the reason I bring that up is the chase sequence, which it's an actual just chase sequence. It isn't like guy chasing someone down a hospital hallway that's really a junior high with holding the IV. It isn't being chased off a roof into a swimming pool that no at a, at a psychic's uh, swimming pool that you would have missed. It is not running on top of a train. It is just a car chase like the car chase in the first episode that gives you yet another opportunity to realize how ugly and boxy mid-80s cars were. But it was a well-done chase. It was. And I really like the rhythm of their fast talking to the rhythm of the car chase. Mm -hmm. It worked remarkably well. I like that Maddie was not Maggie. Maddie was the one driving. Mm -hmm. Even though David's mansplaining the drive, but it worked out perfectly in that regard. I also like, and this is a curious thing as I scroll down to the whole deal, how Maddie apparently, remember how last week we said Agnes apparently has never been or seen a train station or maybe once? Mm -hmm. It seems like Maddie has never seen a car chase because everything is like they caught up to us on the side. Do we give up? Why are they chasing? Why are they ramming into us? What do I do now? What does pedal to the metal mean? Everything was this curious thing of someone who has never seen this. This is when eventually they get caught by, we're being told, CIA guy. But I yeah. did like the car chase. One note from the car chase that I noticed, behind the steering wheel on the dash, where like the odometer and the speed are and stuff, Right. They had this huge flashing red light. Uh, Is that for oil check or something? Or what? So I, I looked up 1985 BMWs because that's what I think they drive. And it's a sign that your brakes are dead because you've like you've worn the pads out so much. Oh, my God. So I'm God. guessing they really used this car for the chase. And then for the filming, 
they use the same car for inside when we actually see the real actors doing the inside of the car parts. And they must have destroyed the brake pads doing this chase scene over and over. <laughs> that is a fantastic piece. That is that is so much better than my looking up Flight 772. I like that so much better. But she doesn't know what happens when the person drives up to you. She doesn't know why someone would try to run you off the road. He's hitting the car and she's going, why are they doing that? She doesn't know what punch it means. At one point, Maddie says, we don't have the right of way. And David says, we're doing 85 in an alleyway. There is no time to debate that, which is a longer line. But still, yeah, one of the points where he's right. And he knows his alleyways. That's where he lives. <laughs> Back of his hand. He grew up on Back those of his alleys. Head, he knows he does. <laughs> But I think it was really, I think it was well done. And speaking of cars, both times that the soon-to-be dead Roy Hirsch, I wonder if any, we're trying, I think we are covering details, because you gave the story, and that's all they need to know. That it was up. So we, we're, we're all good. There's like three but spies, this, and no, one, three no spies. one wins. No one wins? Yeah. I don't know. No one wins, especially the viewer. Yeah. Uh, see, this is every so often I'll go to, what the hell were we talking about? Let's talk about, I noticed that they weren't, big on waiting for things the plot needed to move along so there were never reasonable amount of times it's the same thing that happened with the train last week where yeah. that guy was processed and everything so i was thinking the same thing yep. so this guy isn't on the plane and his credit cards are canceled immediately even though i'm not 100 percent sure that they know he wasn't on the plane he was though right like they didn't think they they canceled it before the plane even went down. They assumed they were killing him. The problem is they found out he wasn't dead, which is why they hired the other guy okay. who was a Russian who's a Russian agent pretending to be an American agent right, right, right. to kill him. All right, so bad first get, example. Get Second yeah. example no, no. is when David goes to and Maddie go to the Hirsch house on behalf of the collective agency the first time. Ugh, he picks ahead, up the yeah. ringer. It's a it's an apartment complex thing that you have to get buzzed into. He picks it up and it rings like twice. And the person hasn't picked up inside the place. And Maddie asks him, are you sure you're using that right? It's been two rings. I don't get to the front door that fast either. And speaking of the front door, when they get to the apartment later at night, after after that body's been removed of the the original Hirsch, they go back to go check out the apartment one more time. On their own at night, breaking it. On their own at night. And David runs up and bangs on the door like a lunatic. Whatever. He bangs on the door for the person to answer and then runs and they hide and wait on the side to see if anybody comes to the door. But Maddie thinks that enough time has gone by because, what was it, a second after he banged like a lunatic? Oh, yeah. I mean, sometimes people are in the bathroom. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I don't get to the door fast enough. And then the reason why they're tipped off that maybe the CIA guy isn't on the up and up at the agency at the end is because he finds out who's going to get murdered at this state dinner. And he doesn't immediately call from call it in, call it in to CIA headquarters. And that's why they're like, maybe he wasn't a CIA guy because he didn't call immediately. Now, they also had said that it's a couple of hours till the dinner. And I think that the guy wouldn't want to make us a CIA call from blue. I think even Maddie said, yeah, he probably should. He probably doesn't know if our phones are secure. And David was like, nah, he would have called immediately. They just don't wait, even though I feel like there was plenty of time in this episode that they could have filled in waiting. They could have given them the adequate amount of time to wait for these things. 
by not doing some of those other things. They killed so much time in this episode. The whole thing when they go to their first uh, debt collection agent, Maddie is not happy about this because she doesn't want to bother people who probably often have a good reason or are struggling. But David paints them as all just people trying to cheat the system, which is almost not the case. I know. Maddie Maddie is... Maddie's a decent person. She's a decent person, and they show that over and over again in these episodes. And David is a little mercenary, by which I mean sometimes very mercenary, because, you know, sucks to be two tells you you got to go for it all, I guess. So... Here's the thing. So when they go to the and their second client is Roy Hirsch, who apparently Mm -hmm. owes a lot on a car thing, which is weird because you would think since we're going to find out that the Russians believe he is a Russian spy. They don't know he's a double agent. The Russians use him to cause dissent. He then tells the Americans what the dissent's going to happen. That's how the system works. But the Russians had set up the apartment. The Russians paid the bills. You'd think the Russians would have paid the car bills and wouldn't have lapsed and put any sort of situation like this. <laughs> I, You know, the, the Russians, maybe the economy was struggling in the 80s, but they put their money into espionage. They put it all into espionage because even David jokes they don't have groceries, which is not a fair joke or anything. But it's just, they would not have lapsed. There's no reason to let this up because it wouldn't have lapsed the six hours. And there's a way, so this guy goes from the house, to the church, to the thing. Meanwhile, they're looking at clients and I don't, the timelines seem to be weird. They're all happening at the same time, but something seems to be taking a lot longer or something's taking shorter. It's sort of like Empire Strikes Back where they spend this whole time, you know, in Cloud City. They had to go through the asteroid, everything, you know, no, they, they go through the asteroid, they go to Lando's thing and they're there. All this should take place for maybe about two or three hours. But it's the same time period that Luke is being trained by Yoda. Is Luke such a quitter that he gave up on Jedi practice after three hours? Because that's the (laughs) only way these two timelines match up. They are operating on two completely different things. So it felt like this here. So this guy who's been worried, there's a cab driver. All the cab drivers in here, by the way, drive New York City cabs and are from Brooklyn from the 1940s. They're all New York cabbies. They are all hardcore New York cabbies. And have their eyes out for people following them. Which, no, <laughs> if you're in an Uber and they're good drivers, that's not a thing. Yeah. They're always on the phone talking to someone else. I get they're, that, but they're not looking who's following you. It's not happening. That was amazing, that cab driver. That, oh, he would because, you know, old school, old school Brooklyn. Yeah. So here's a guy who clearly they blew up an entire plane to get rid of him thinking he was on there. Who they cut off all his funds. Who has been followed who has a, had a crossbow pointed at his door that was going to miss him by two feet, but still, someone buzzes the phone and he lets them in. There's no yeah. visual camera. His thought is fine. Yeah. Fine. Let him in. Now, to bring back to the other point, so the CIA agent who says he's a CIA agent, and uh-huh. we're going to assume, you know, at that point, no, he's not a CIA agent. And if he is, he's working double. He's a double agent, the reverse of the way. When he gets the letter, they finally show him the communique, which is, you, you don't hand the evidence in person and he reads it he translates it he translates <laughs> he, the russian he reads which, it to by the civilians way, <laughs> yeah which he reads it as civilians he clearly translates russian like that which you think okay maybe cia or maybe russian he says exactly what's on it yeah why would he do that and the only reason he did that was so they would know what's happening and where to go that's yep. the only reason he said that remember when i said i had a problem with the village every narrative choice in the village is to make it for the twist why is she blind why did they let her go blind, but the boyfriend's ill, so they have to send someone out to get medicine when they were clearly allowed to have his own daughter go blind? You need her blind so she doesn't see that everything's a lie. I'm screwing the village for you. I don't care. Horrible movie. Matter. And so she doesn't realize that the twist at the end, everything was made 
for the plot to move forward, but not for the sense of the world or for the sense of the characters. David, when they try to break in again at night, because we have learned from Moonlighting, 85% of detective work is breaking and entering, which is weird because Kevin, I can tell you, that's the same amount for writing. If you have a <laughs> career in writing, it's 85% B and E. You, you'd be surprised and you get pretty good at it. It's always the classic, the pin of the card. Anyway, so David needs them to get into the building. And he sees someone approaching. So he gets on the phone and he pretends to be calling his deaf uncle and he has the batteries. David says, hi, this is little Davy Addison. Why, why, <laughs> why would you say your real name when you're breaking and entering in the building? Why would you give any clue who you are? Why? Can I, can, why? can, we, can, we, start a, can we start a new theory? I, I love anything right now. Okay. What if. Love it. David Addison. <laughs> Went to a Zoltar machine. And and this is pretty much detective big instead of instead of a toy store. And Maddie is the Elizabeth Perkins and David is because all of his decisions are the decisions of a child. So let's go back. I love this. Da- David is a child in a man's body. Yes. And so when when he's talking about bringing the pool table into Blue Moon Detective Agency. He says they're going to put it on the roof. They're going to lower it down from the roof with a winch and it's going to come in the window. And then Maddie, when she's going to stop all that from happening and tells the piano guys that they don't want the piano, she accidentally says wench instead of winch. And then David says, you're the wench. This is a winch, which is exactly what a child would do when he's like, I hate you, mom. I hate you. (laughs) <laughs> that's the exact I same thing. I love this theory. I Wait, love this theory to the... Go ahead. I'm, I'm even better. It. When he says Russians don't have groceries, they don't have Disneyland, they don't have the Three Stooges, and they don't have baseball, which are three things that a kid would care about and no one else. They don't like, have I like those. Or... I love those things. But it, when I was seven, those were really great things. <laughs> You're right. It's almost like they're saying they, they don't, you know, they... They don't have ice cream or Big League Chew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and where then, are their Legos? <laughs> and he could talk like Dr. Seuss, which is, again, we hate that scene. But, oh, but he's that close to Dr. Seuss that he could still talk in that style. He is a child. <laughs> he wants a food fight. He's a child. And I so we're on Detective Big. It's Detective Big. I love this theory. I now, I now deem it canon. It's, uh, yeah, it, it works perfectly. This is because I love I'm going to say what I thought, but I love yours so much more. I thought the reason he could use his name is because as an ex-con or perhaps accomplished money launderers we discussed last week or maybe even a serial killer. David Edison isn't even his real name. We do know his last real name. His true surname is ground <laughs> yeah. or, or round, depending oh. on one of those, because he is of the fortune. <laughs> I will also say David in when they break in, which takes forever. <laughs> When, you know, the, the woman overhears David's story, she lets him in. God bless. Kisses the woman a little. Yeah, yeah. But uh, they get it in everything. We are, we have skipped something and we'll get back to it. We have we to skip. When they we say, skipped a lot of things. Oh, yeah. We, we get back to when they brought a detective in because that's even a problem here. Remember, they have not. They never seem unless it happened during the commercial break. They didn't seem to ask the CIA agent for proof he was a CIA agent. They didn't seem to ask for any identity. No one asks for identity here. And this keeps happening. Anywhere. Because as you it's said, not just Maddie and David, anyone. And I'm going to because that will bring us back to the real homicide detective, because it's all about 
how do we get to the next scene? Despite the fact, it's a very weird thing. This thing wants to rush through while at the same time drag its feet. I've never seen an episode that feels like four minutes and six and a half days in my life at the same time. Because it takes them forever to finally get in there, do a whole shtick, everything. David, by the way, in the break-in entrance, is wearing one of the most 80s sweaters I've ever seen. It's not mm -hmm. over-the-top colorful. It isn't a Kuz Van Der Actor Cosby Show sweater. I, did, I, I didn't actually have to look that up. I remember the designer of those goddamn sweaters. But he also I has know a, I wore. He also has on alligator loafers. Oh, you are good at the shoes. Which is, very, went... which is very 80s to me. Yeah. You yeah. are getting Tarantino-esque with the footwear. This is good. <laughs> <laughs> the... oh, no, no, no. These are... Oh, that's canon now. <laughs> Great. <laughs> that was a joke. Only canon is within the show, not within our lives, except for us having a cat intern. But I know I I know I wore that sweater. I don't understand how anyone in L.A., Kevin and I are not the best people with heat, and clearly this seems to always take place in the summer. I don't understand how anyone in L.A. isn't wearing anything except a thin T-shirt and shorts. That's it. I don't understand how anyone. So to wear a sweater and a jacket and got, and then always with Maddie with the fur coats, which she doesn't wear this time. Yeah, no fur this one. The time was so weird on this episode that I actually had to pay attention to wardrobe to see if it was the same day or not, because they didn't handle that well. They didn't no. do they didn't even take the time to show where you are. They didn't locate you because on shows, hell, even on Simpsons, hell, even on cartoons, cut to an exterior of a building and then cut to interior to locate you. They didn't even bother with this in no. this episode. We're just places. We're just inside things. So they go in there when they break in at night. They found the place has been ransacked. Clearly, someone is looking for something. It's dark. There's a door open the fire escape. Clearly, that has been open because people just just do I wanna, not take care of their jobs. I think we need to talk about the fire escape, but you finish this first. Okay. And then David sees a reflection of himself because it's dark, freaks out, and thinks it's someone. That's perfectly fine. He punches the mirror. That's perfectly fine. We're going to say this. Now, there's a, there is a no, gap say, here. Say it again. Say it again one more time. Because David stupid. sees a reflection of himself, thinks it's someone else, and punches the mirror. Yeah. He screams yeah. and punches the mirror. Remember, this is this is the detective who we're pretty sure is an ex-con, but we're also pretty sure is 10. And I'd like the David Big version better. He's next to a wall. There's the no way someone could be there. There's not enough room for a 3D individual to be there. Because I'm beginning to think he thought... He had accidentally summoned Candyman. <laughs> That's the only reason. I don't know how you punch Candyman. So Maddie, or Maggie, depending on what her name we decide for this thing, rushes up, and she goes, oh, David, and she's bandaging up, or she's looking at the wound, and they hear the caring saxophone solo. Whenever there's a little touching moment between them, you hear the caring yeah. It's It's a musical cue. It's sort of like in The Simpsons, whenever they show the power plant, you hear the crow go, Wah! Here you always hear the caring saxophone thing. And Maddie sees there's, there's a small manila envelope behind the shards of glass. Now, we know this because we read IMDb, because we do our research, that when David shattered it, there was no thing. And that's a minor thing. Remember, we're going to tie this into Bruce Willis. Remember Die Hard, when, when the criminals come and they come out of the truck. Remember the truck that's going to have the mm -hmm. ambulance there, the, the same truck that the ambulance comes out. When you see them coming out of the truck, you'll realize there is no ambulance in that truck at that time. 
It's supposed to be there because it comes out of the truck, but it's not there. And when they asked the directors that we forgot the ambulance, he's like, they're not going to pay attention to it. And I'm going to tell you, I didn't realize for that for 40 years. He was right. Yeah. Here, I think we would have noticed they forgot the. Yeah, because the there's nothing there, and then they show us a one there's shot. So much nothing the, there in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> the mirror, and it's there. And then when they go back to get it, it's even in a different spot of the mirror that time. That's when they find out they find out that the real Roy Hirsch, or who they believe at this point, we find out he's a double agent and actually American, has a Russian passport. Now, every so often, and we do have to even go back further to the detective, but we're on this thing. Every so often, decisions are made that they decide narratively, let's sleep on it. Mm-hmm. Because next day... It's at the agency. This is the same time when David will reveal his gun. And clearly they're carpooling because they show up at the agency at the same time. They have to say agency because they didn't do the exterior shot to locate well, us. But I, not think that, the, you know. I think I think the dim sum place is on the way from from Maddie's house. <laughs> she can just pick. There's a dumpster <laughs> that's on the way. Yeah. It kind of rolls out yeah. and it's all fine. Yeah. So that's when David says, oh, there was also a message in the envelope. Ah, and I'm going to actually have to go. If you were discuss, how do people sleep on something of finding a proof of a dead man was a Russian spy and another man was pretending on him? Why do you say this could have global implications? Meet back at the agency tomorrow to discuss more? Maybe we get <laughs> McMuffins on the way? Yeah. Because he says there's a message. Maddie didn't know about the message. He seems to have found the message. It was in the same goddamn envelope as the passport that he pulled out the night before. And they wait till this. Mm-hmm. Ah! <laughs> all right let me give them credit all right I, i'm happy for credit i like the credit give credit they did contact a homicide detective before prior to this when they first yeah find I, the I don't yeah no i'm we're all skipping around it, yeah. it's not i, I just want, i just want to anywhere. orient yeah, yeah. i just want to orient our listener sure so. <laughs> <laughs> we had we had kept asking are there homicide detectives available we asked that one of the podcasts because it and seems a, like they just handle everything themselves. It is a perfectly crimulent question. Yeah. So they did. Look at them. That and, day. That and day. the homicide detective asked them if they have an investigator license and they said they did. So that answered that question because I was always curious if they really had one. But, but, if you're, if you're, still, yeah. still, if you're still on this, I don't want no, to interrupt, no, no. but I do have yeah. questions. Sure. Okay. So... This was, um, I think, after they find the body, on my cheap-ass Hulu version, I get a commercial. I think it's for a car and for Febreze. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Hulu. Remember to subscribe to Hulu. Our other sponsorship ads. See, we're giving free ads here, people. Please pay up. One, if you say you find a dead body, first of all, I think cops arrive. I think some cops arrive. At least one cop would arrive with a homicide detective. I said someone was throwing things off the roof of my building when I used to have a backyard thing. I got two cops. I got a classic cop, old cop and young cop. They both did not like me. They saw that I was writing cat poems and the old cop actually gave the young cop a look and the young cop just shook his head in disgust. I lost them. <laughs> they didn't hear a word because I had the computer and various cat books open and they just said, no, whatever this man has to tell us is worthless because look at him. It's cats. It's cats everywhere. Similarly, I stopped going with my wife to the accountant because I couldn't look <laughs> the accountant in the eye anymore because because we would go and I make YouTube videos and stuff from time to time. And whenever I would videos, buy, by the way. when I would buy props for these videos, I had to write them off as part of the comedy business that does it, it exists. So 
we would we would go off the list of things and I would have to itemize the list of stuff that I bought and I would have to stare this gentleman who has a real job in the face and say like horse head and things like that and I couldn't look him in the face anymore so that Lolly just went to the accountant without me so yeah I get it <laughs> you're 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 downstairs in the car in the garage having ice cream yeah like yeah, David. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're so much better than David. So they bring the detective, and it's clearly not too long. They went downstairs, probably found a phone booth, because remember, 1985. They go there. They're surprised the door is closed. The detective knocks on the door, which is what he should do. Mm-hmm. He goes there. There's new Roy Hirsch. This is the Roy Hirsch that we will find. Is an American spy who was working for the Russians, which is why he has a British accent. Because, <laughs> by the way. So many people looked alike in this episode. Oh. All these guys. I'm saying, you know, whoever's going to get upset at this next line, go ahead and get upset at this next line. But I was having trouble identifying, telling white people apart from one another. I this, was. I'm, so, I'm supposedly white. I just couldn't. So the original Roy Hirsch, is that his name? It's gone. Perhaps it's been Roy, yeah. Roy Hirsch. original Roy Hirsch looked like Daniel Craig if you put uh, like an old filter on him. And canceled his gym membership. Yeah, but his yeah. face was was old Daniel Craig. It, it's 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 young Craggy. Yeah, because I th- was he forty two? I thought at one point they said he was forty two. <laughs> but this is nineteen eighty five. We've discussed yeah, yeah. this that the forty two is like sixty nine now. Yeah, and then the fake Roy Hirsch. He he talked like Mick Jagger. He had the same voice as Mick Jagger. Had a nice silk bathrobe. And then the CIA guy didn't really look like them, but at that point. He also did. It was the same kind of haircut and the same height. They didn't yeah. look exactly alike, but they looked enough that you went. I mean, when you do up close, they didn't. Yeah. Like if you if they were brought in for a police lineup and you were behind the glass and they were like, which one did it? You'd be like, oh, God, no, I don't. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you only I saw I knew. the difference in quickly. I thought yeah. I knew what they looked like. But <laughs> so this guy says, no, I'm Roy Hirsch. I don't know what you're talking about. And the detective says, you're Roy Hirsch. Never ask for ID. He doesn't have a warrant, but he can ask for ID. He can say, yeah. can you show me that? Never ask for ID. Goes outside with that. Say, I thought you were, you said you were police detectives, because they also mentioned how they debt collecting. I thought you were police, det- uh, excuse me. I thought you were private investigators. Do you even have a license? That's when he asked them for a license. Not before when he contacted them, because yeah. First of all, if they're talking about a dead body, they are suspects. Yeah. They are the people who found the dead body, so they are suspects. He doesn't ask for that until that point, and he says, fine. By the way, when the detective shows his uh, badge, it looks like he took a picture of the Dragnet opening credits and made a photo of it. It, <laughs> it was such a cartoony-looking badge. Yeah. And I, I just... So later... I'm just glad that they contacted someone who could potentially do something, even though that person still didn't do his job well. He didn't do his job well at all. He did not do it. No one. These are people whose entire lives, whether they are private investigators, whether they are homicide detectives, should be looking at everything with a John Desai. And they don't bother for ID. They don't bother to check anyone. All they do is go, that sounds good. This is this is also bad for Maddie, because just like just like how. They could have given the CIA guy more time to make that phone call before they yeah. impulsively went and stormed a state dinner. And it's like Maddie probably wanted to call the homicide detective. David was probably like, we got this. 
it's not good for David to ever be proven right. Like it's unfortunate that that guy really was going to kill someone at the dinner because Maddie yeah. doesn't need David to be right. He doesn't need that. It's like when you when a child is right and the parents yeah. wrong, it's terrible because the, be... the, the child has leverage. You don't want that. So David now has leverage because he was wrong, but it turned out he was right. Yeah, and that's never a good thing. So when they go back to the agency and they decided, oh, maybe we should look at the other content in the envelope. And it's the next morning. They go there and Agnes says they have a client. He's yeah. inside playing pool. Everything's coming up, David. They did it. Everything they is took coming the up, David. Off. They 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 <laughs> They, they got it a, in. They flew a pool table up to the roof and winched it down in 24 hours. That's amazing. So how much say does David have in the agency that he keeps getting his way? Because I guess she, realizing that she is working with a 10-year-old, just gets exasperated because she's a single mom looking after a 10-year-old yeah. detective. Yeah. And I have to imagine that's exhausting. And eventually it's... No, because getting a piano at a pool table at a satellite dish is the equivalent of that parent that was in the news like 10 years ago because their kid bought like a million dollars worth of Candy Crush money. Oh, <laughs> they that's had right. Phone. It's like David has a card and it's a mistake. It's <laughs> but David being a kid really, really gets excited about murder cases. Murder yeah. cases that Maddie keeps pointing out, they don't have a client. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like <laughs> the Scooby gang. <laughs> yeah. And it was just Fred constantly screaming, we're drowning in debt. Yeah. You don't know are. how many people <laughs> I had the pleasure to get the gas money so we could get to this abandoned amusement park. <laughs> you don't know what I'm doing for us and you don't care. And the one theme of this is that everyone's lying. Yeah. Everyone's saying who they are. And because you are such a fan, it was just like, I, I actually wrote this like, Kevin, was Taylor Swift right in the world is nothing but liars and dirty, dirty cheats? <laughs> it seems so. And according to this episode? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they get there. She says Roy Hirsch is there. David jokes. Did you notice if he was alive? They realize, oh, crap. They go to the garage and they see that the uh, who we I have kept saying garage guy, but is the one who later reveals himself as a CIA agent who also proves not to be a CIA agent. Mm -hmm. He's waiting there. And they're nervous, but he also knows that they don't know what they look like. Now, your question was, why was he there? How did he know to be there? Yeah. Right? I think he followed fake Roy Hirsch there, because Roy Hirsch there went to the client. He's oh, been monitoring him. So yeah. he was not, because I had that same thought. I was like, how does he know about, because even David says he doesn't know who we are. I thought about that, and I said, no, he followed the other guy there. He's yeah, waiting smart. for yeah, Roy yeah. Hirsch. He's not waiting for David and Maddie. David says, Maddie, go get the car. I'll make a distraction. And it's the most goddamn David distraction. <laughs> it was everything. Da David couldn't, again, couldn't decide what to go with. So he did yeah. everything. He did everything. Yeah. And so it starts with a harmonica solo. Of course. To get a the good one. Attention. A good a one. A good one. No, no. Yeah. Bruce Willis can play the harmonica. Yeah. Apparently, it's always right next to the gun in his jacket, his coat. He can play the harmonica. And then it goes to him singing My Girl. And it kept going to the point that I thought he was going to do all of the Ain't Too Proud musical, the Patience <laughs> musical. I thought he was going to sing the entire thing. I thought four other Davids were going to appear in similar suits. It kept going and going and going. And then to create the biggest attraction, he sets up a car alarm and shoots some tires, which I would assume was the guy's tires. But yes! No, some, I That's would have thought I that thought was, was the happened. plan. I yeah. watched that scene more times than I should have because I was like, he has to have tried to shoot the car of the guy he doesn't yeah. want to chase him 
<laughs> but no. So that's when Manny picks him up. Then that guy gets to the car. Then Roy Hirsch gets to the car. We should tell you fake Roy Hirsch dies in the car accident because they start feeling and he flips over. Again, it's actually a well done car chase. Sequence. It was a good car chase. Yeah. With some remarkably ugly cars, but that wasn't that. <laughs> it was the 80s. I have a question for you. Yeah. If you were some, and this is CIA, fake CIA agent, as opposed to fake Roy Hirsch, waiting mm. in the garage. If you were some person who, and I actually wrote this down because this is a legitimate question for you. Great. If you were some person whose entire job is to be on the lookout for and suspicious about every anyone, <laughs> how long would it have taken you to simply pistol whip David and then continue <laughs> waiting Roy Hirsch? Because this guy just takes it because the episode needs him to take it. The episode needs him to take it. So his internal monologue is, uh, it's one of those singing parking garage guys again. <laughs> I've heard it's LA. These. I don't know. I haven't <laughs> lived in LA. Parking garages clearly are 90% of the infrastructure of LA, from what we can tell from yeah. moonlighting episodes. But yeah, how. Yeah, another busker. The other... <laughs> another busker in a parking garage. So we jump ahead. I think we filled in all the details we need to. We jump ahead. They realize, for reasons only narrative, okay, this guy is probably not the real thing. They get to the event. They can't get in despite the brilliance of their Dr. Seuss thing that the guy with the invitation list for some reason plays along with because we keep saying the Dr. Seuss thing. They go to the front. They go to the guest list guy. Yeah, we do have to define this better. You're right. Yeah, because we're exasperated, but they don't know why enough. Yeah, enough. So feel our pain. Feel our pain. So David and Maddie go in their their regular clothes to try to go to the state dinner and the the mater d guest list guy checks he said they say their real names the guy says you're not on the list and they go into a legitimate dr seuss rhyme discussion about getting into the party or not and it goes on for think about how long it should go on and and then triple it and then just add the infinity symbol at the end of it. <laughs> it goes back think, and forth. They play off each other, the Mater D and David rhyming. Like at first you're thinking, all right, I guess this is what the Mater D does. But then David does it too. And then the, it's a call and response Dr. Seuss rhyming conversation. It goes this is why they create the word interminable. This is why they create the word unending. This is why they created the word, oh God, please just end. It's not a word, it's several words, but this is why they have that phrase. We should say when the guy did read the message and said the yeah. actual content of the message, in case I didn't, in case we didn't yeah. say it before, says the man with the mall in his nose. Yes. So everyone now is looking for a Chinese man with a mall in his nose. Hopefully, and how hopefully all the Asian people who were there were Chinese because they checked every Asian person. They did under the guise of serving drinks because once yeah. they can't get in there. They go into the kitchen, which is clearly so much easier and somehow outside the event and has easy access and clearly has just a wall of uniforms to put on. The David, so they turn the, David comes as a cater waiter and Maddie comes out as a French maid for some reason. Yeah, the, the maid costume maid. was skimpy. Yeah, I think it was just what? we just wanted to see Sybil Shepherd in a maid costume. It's fine. That's what it was. Whatever. Right. But, it's fine. So I joke about how they seem to have all these outfits risen. But I will say, if you look at David's pants, they're short. You can see oh, are they? you can see Michael yeah, yeah, yeah. Jackson white socks. Oh, so that's like, right. Yeah. I said, you know what? Okay, I'm going to give it. That was a nice touch for a show that didn't has not bothered with nice touches. I mean, not a show, an episode that's not bothered with. It, yeah. I will give that. 
So as you said, they are serving drinks and staring at people's faces. Not like a usual nod. It's imagine if someone were pouring a drink in your glass and just slowly turn their head and look directly at your face to such a degree that they're missing the glass. Yeah. The the director kept saying too subtle, too subtle, too subtle. Yeah. And then they got annoyed and did this take to prove that there is such a thing as too much. And the director was like, perfect. (laughs) Beautiful. So David is at the dais where apparently you would think maybe the guy, but you know, I I give him that. And he's looking, he's serving drinks and he sees the Chinese diplomat with the mole on his nose. At the same time, we see Fixiage pretend to be a photographer. Yeah. Because I guess his thought was, I will take photos of everyone I'll go to a lab, get them developed, <laughs> see a which one, one has the ball, one hour, one hour photo place, <laughs> then come, I'm going I'm to go to a, a photo mat, that little booth, yeah. just hopefully yeah. I can do it. I'll come back, I'll look at it, scan through everything, come back and know which it is. But it's at the same time that David <laughs> finds mole guy, the mole, yeah. when, when camera guy, who are you? David, at this moment, I understand, but we are talking diplomats, and we're also... There's a lot of wrong kids. Shoves the guy's face into his food. Yeah. And then realizing for a dumb move, he makes a smart move within a dumb it move. It is smart. It, it's to, it's not right that you could do that to a person and it's weird right. that you would get it. Because you would think that there's some security detail that would descend upon. If you're dealing with dignitaries, there's probably security people in the room that would take assault. Not lightly, I guess. David <laughs> but, would be immediately tackled. But it's smart. You're right. It is a smart move because he pushes his face into the fettuccine and gets cream all over his face to disguise the mole. And then, also smartly, he yes. pushes the other guys' faces into their fettuccines and gets like covers their faces so you can't tell that they have moles on their nose or not. Because it, because if only one person had been covered in fettuccine, you yeah. assume that's the person. So he yeah. covers that. David is clearly making an international incident here, but he's yeah. doing the best that he can but it's clever. in the situation. It is it's clever, clever. But they don't use it. <laughs> they don't use it. Also, to be a degree, those men keep their faces in their food a lot longer than I would. <laughs> but I'm sorry, if someone shoved my face in, I don't like food on my face. That's actually the most disgusting thing I could think oh, of. Oh, I would be unhappy. Okay, yeah. there's a lot of disgusting things, but I'm just saying, I would And then... This is, there are moments in your life when either it's overwhelming or you've given up that you can no longer look straight at things. They become fuzzy and they become a little distance. And that's what happens here. Because I know what happens, but at some point someone, who throws the fetish? So is it Maddie actually puts the pie into the guy, into the cameraman's face? Am I getting the order right here after this? Yeah. The into first the fake person- CIA guys. Yeah, the person who starts the actual big food fight, other than just the CIA guy getting pie in the face, is one of the Chinese dignitaries tries to throw the fettuccine at David and misses. Right. And then it hits some woman behind David. Then that woman immediately gets angry (laughs) and starts throwing, and then everyone's throwing. Yeah, And it goes from fettuccine to cream pies real fast. And and ready access to cream pies. People are not getting slices after their meal. They're getting cre- entire cream pies during their meal. And it's very much a Keystone Cops. It's very much an old school. You try to get the person they miss. They get pissed off. They throw it back over here. So 
this is there, there's this just is... a there's just a maid at one of the tables going like this just flicking <laughs> whatever she <laughs> can find on the table and it's just like handfuls of cream because she didn't get like a she didn't get an aluminum tin so she's just flicking stuff <laughs> i just i still can't get over that, that this that is an is ending the end but that's the end of the episode with no resolution they are no wrestling they're wrestling with them, and then the director's like, and now we have to get two pies into our superstars of the show. Yep. And they hit them with pies, and then the screen freezes. Freezes. There's no cutting to the office later. There's no headline from the Los Angeles Tribune about how a Chinese diplomat was almost <laughs> killed, because they would love that photo of him yeah. with just pie, yeah. or just screen pie over face. They don't do that. We don't return to the office like we've done every single other episode, I believe. Yeah. None of that happens. Okay, so this is real, in case it sounds sarcastic. So do you know, the, have you ever seen the movie Dr. Strangelove? I have, but so, I don't But I don't you know, know of else. it. Yeah, yeah. You know of it. At the end, the world blows up. Okay. But they're in the war room. Mm-hmm. And they find out the world was always going to blow up because of something that was done, like a bomb that once everything else, everything gets shut up. In the original version, because they do show a snack table and everything, the war room turns into a cream pie fight. There is footage of that out there, that the end of Dr. Strangelove is a massive cream pie fight until you just see megaton bombs exploding and exploding and exploding. Kubrick decided, okay, that was a bit much, but it still kind of works because it's just showing how the Cold War, how diplomacy, how the war room, how war itself is just a childish, over-the-top, ridiculous thing. So you get it. Here, I think this entire episode was written backwards. Because so much information is crammed at the end. The book that's mentioned sucks to be two. No, being number two <laughs> that's stinks. That's a great book, yeah. Yeah, we're writing I it. I mean, we got to write look, it. Look for it. We got to write it. <laughs> with, with our vast knowledge of, 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 of uh, running a business, we have I mean, to write two, it. Two guys who aren't winners. We could do it. We can do it. <laughs> we can, because the book of being second stinks is to tell you how not to be second. Our book will tell you, yeah, being number two is where, because this is where we are. We'll give you, we <laughs> yeah. won't give you advice. We will give you red flags and warning signs yeah. from our own life. Yeah. It's going to be great. I don't know how to, we, we have something big to talk about after this. Thank God. Sure, because yeah. like this episode, I don't know how to end it. No, it's, I, I don't. I, I, all right. So I want to point big out, some us, others, by the way. I'm going to point out some other things. Please do. So the agency is in the red. By a lot. Oh, it's so much. Leading. It's hemorrhaging. They say they have to get rid of overtime, which is very funny because what are people doing? <laughs> Why are, the, what, are, the, what are they even doing that they're working the, overtime? They don't have any cases. Okay. I have to, because here's the thing the case that they're hired to, the debt collection, should yeah. not be them. It should be the yeah. other people. You send out a bunch of them to different people. Yeah. You don't do one case at a time. You do that. As far as the overtime, I think it's the fact, as we've discussed last episode, Agnes lives at the office. And I think her time sleeping, she's clocking in his hours. This is, this is also funny. This is, this is Agnes, too. So Agnes gives all the bills at the beginning of the episode. And then the next time we see her is when she answers the phone before she tells them Hirsch is in David's office. Right. So she answers the phone, she does her rhyme, and it turns out that it's not a case. It's they're just confirming the coffee order. Because it's morning. But the only thing I've ever definitely seen another employee do at this Blue Moon Detective Agency is make coffee. (laughs) Remember that? That person came in the background and had coffee. Yeah. Yeah. So why are they ordering coffee when they have 40 people that could make coffee? 
And the one of them does. Is, was that guy yeah. sick? Was coffee guy sick that day? <laughs> and no one else knows how to fill ground. Dude, how, how many scoops? Is it how many scoops per cup? What am I doing here? I'm in the weeds, people. Help the coffee me. guy's water, not here. Is water. he okay? He's yeah. sick, but I told him to still clock in. So it's, don't worry. <laughs> and you know what? I think he's getting overtime. So, I mean, the coffee is to show that it's morning because back then you only drank coffee yeah. in the morning. It yeah. was the thing. But no, it makes no sense. And it's also in the purpose of showing what always happens. She'll do the long rhyme, and it's for someone who's not asking for a case. And that's the joke. And that's sure. fine because you get to spend time with Agnes, and that's actually always a delight. But, I just thought of all the things <laughs> a coffee order went again in six episodes. The only definitive <laughs> workplace thing we have seen the background workers do is make coffee. <laughs> I'm going to say this because I did look, I didn't watch ahead, but I yeah. basically just looked at, in cap, you know, capsule summary ahead. We may find out a little more David at the beginning of our second season of our podcast because the first episode of the second season is his brother. Shows okay. up. I didn't know it came that quickly. We'll find out and we will get to second season starting in January. That's true. Are we we're making, go our, back are we making an announcement? Yeah, yeah we're, we're coming back in January with our second season because, like all holiday thing, we're going to take a break, but that doesn't mean we're taking a break. Are we done with the episode? I, if, if you have something else, I'm not being sarcastic. If there's something else, please. I could, please. Do, I could quickly go through a couple things. So, yeah, the, the author of Not Sucks to Be Too, but Being Second Stinks was J.D. Garin, which was G. And Karen, basically, which is the right, the uh, the creator of the show, I thought, was like a portmanteau of his last name. Almost certainly. That's a yeah. good eye. Good eye. Uh, when we were dealing with all the Vertigo Hitchcocky stuff, the first guy that the real Roy Hirsch meets in the elevator looks like uh, Alfred Hitchcock. And he's sideways, just like a Hitchcock profile. Kevin, fantastic. And then one of the other things was... When David goes to the first place for the collection agency, he yells out, I'm David Boom Boom Addison. And I thought that was off of Freddie Boom Boom Cutter. Cannon because yeah. oh. David likes all that music, right? So he probably stole it from that. You know what? That's even better because when I heard Boom Boom, I thought Freddie Boom Boom Washington, uh, to remember the first name, I, because that was a character in uh, Welcome Back, Mr. Cotter. Uh, okay. Yeah, maybe. I actually, no, I think your version makes more sense. But those are um, three things that I thought were Easter eggy. That is really good. I tried to look up, was there any significance in a Hitchcock film for apartment 3C? I thought maybe that's the okay, apartment yeah. in Rear Window. Maybe that's the apartment in Vertigo. Maybe that's an apartment something. I didn't come up with anything. So my two attempts to go down the thing either was nothing or the most depressing <laughs> news possible. I will tell you with the most depressing news possible, which is a flight. It is known for having a memorial with the least amount of access possible. It takes it's in the middle of the Sahara and it's known as the least accessible memorial. Uh, the fact it's a memorial, it's not a thing. I don't want to end on that. So do you have something else? Dr. Seuss. Oh god. <laughs> god uh god. Um, you know what? At some point I thought they were gonna come back and they're gonna have stars in their chest, and then the other one come back with two stars in their chest, and they just overwhelm with the stars in their chest, and then we find out all the trees have been cut down. Oh, I, I have one. I have a yeah. Unless I, I can't wait for you to be like, that's not what it was. Oh, I, <laughs> I, I hope it that is. It's not, we that it's not a nice moment like I thought. So when they are finishing, or they're doing the breaking into the apartment again after yeah. the body got removed and all that. When, the, when they're trying to go in, he asks for a credit card to break into the thing. And somebody from the apartment complex gets off the elevator and starts to walk by them. 
And David says to Maddie, would you be more comfortable at a hotel? Which I thought was good because he made himself the prostitute. He was the prostitute in that situation. I agree with you. Yeah, I, I like I, that scene. Yeah, I thought that was good. Yeah, because yeah. he even said it later with the dead body to wake up. It's like, why don't you strip your clothes and see if that gets a reaction or get a reaction out of me? It's sort of, there's a lot of let's, yeah. let's see Sybil yeah. and less clothes kind of thing. But I like that scene. Yeah, I thought that I was thought that good. was a that, nice that exchange. They, they twisted yeah. it because normally you would they would make in the eighties the woman would be the prostitute. Yeah. But that I do like that, and I think we can end there with yeah, the discussion because there's I, yeah. I have I don't think I've got anything. I mean, I've got I tried the <sighs> when <sighs> when real Roy Hirsch is killed. It's when he's in the bathroom. He closes the mirror in the bathroom, and you see the guy behind him, which <laughs> would have been which would have been. Which, okay, two things. One, that has been done to death. And two, how the hell did that happen? How do you go into a bathroom and not see six foot three guy there? I mean, especially how? since you especially since you unrigged the crossbow booby trap. You would think, oh you God, there's around. someone in here. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't go, you know what's next? Peeing. Oh God. Just like, you know what's next? I'm letting two other people into the building. Who I don't know about, but they said through the confusion thing, we're here to help you. We're from the agency. Yeah. He said he must assume CIA agency because that's the yeah, only thing. They get in there. Uh, but how? How do you not see? Listen, whenever I go in an elevator, I do look at that little mirror in the corner. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, if it's not a place I know and think, you know, the elevator that goes to my subway system out here, you look at it because you do that. Because in that point, you're aware. In this part, he should be equally aware, if not more so. And again, I the guy is not hiding behind the shower curtain. He's standing in the bathroom, just standing there. A six foot three guy, because he's tall. Six foot three guy, just standing there. And I guess because he didn't cough in his British manner, because remember he's a Russian a secret spy who's pretending to be American. <laughs> the British so international. Do, the British thing to do would be to clear your throat before you murder someone. <laughs> because politeness. <laughs> Pardon. Excuse me. I'm terribly <laughs> sorry. I've got to strangle you to death. No, so many choices are made. This is why I brought back the village. So many choices are made for the narrative to move ahead, to move yeah. ahead, to move ahead, rather than what is the reality of this and what would actual thinking, living, breathing characters do. But Which, you described it well. One of them is 10 years old, and the <laughs> other one is a single mom who's just exhausted and eventually says, fine. Play with fire. Just put it out when you're done. Yeah. Again, this is a comedy, and yeah. so it can be a little loose at times. But, but this, this episode was... was just terrible. And that's the end of season one of Moonlighting. Yeah. I will say the fabric of this episode was so loose, you could just see through it. There were just <laughs> large gaps. It was like a couple of strings that had been attached on a loom by a four-year-old who said, you know what? I don't actually like this thing. This I'm going to go play boring. outside. This is boring. Why are we going to do this? You know, in Russia, they don't do this. I bet in Russia, that's all they do. Yeah, that's probably all they do because they don't have Legos and Three Stooges and ice cream and baseball and (laughs) apple pie. They just have ballet and lubes. They just have ballet and roulette. Yeah, I mean, that's clever. That's clever. It's clever. I will say it's clever. But again, that's what a 10-year-old would think. I mean, I don't know how many 10-year-olds actively watch The Deer Hunter, but that's... (laughs) I'm David sure I'm sure there was like a Looney Tunes or an Animaniacs that like spoofed it in some oh, yeah. way. 
Yeah. Oh God, that'd be so horrible. <laughs> and, you know, maybe occasionally the parents take you to the wrong movie. When I was a kid, drive through, we saw The Godfather. I was asleep in the back seat of the car until I woke up just in time to see a horse, a severed horse's head in a bed. I let out a scream. My parents kept watching because they had paid, and it was the '70s, and that was parenting. And that's what's probably Maddie has to do every time. All right, you can have the piano, the satellite dish, and the pool table, but this time that's enough. I just. I'm a single mom trying to run a business with 400 other people who should be doing something and doing nothing. And I'm paying them overtime. And I still don't understand the bills because the bills had nothing to do with paycheck. There were so many bills. And I it's don't know the what. It's like, all the furniture rental places. That's it. It's the furniture rental place. It's the lease. That's that can't be that many bills. I like how she's excited about a check and Agnes goes, oh, yeah, but the publisher clearinghouse and never. It's one of those fake checks. Yeah. yeah. And I thought that. The, I'm not yeah. giving the, the due diligence, but the way it was delivered was fun and very much of the time. All right. So it was overall. <laughs> I love that. Uh, uh, see, there you go. The Kevin. Uh, overall, it was a it was a solid first season. This episode was not good, but I like the other ones. Uh, I do. And that's we, the we've end had of, a little ups and down, but. That's the end of Mooney's Never Say Die Hard's first season. Not overall. We're not done. We're going to come back for a second. Yeah. You know what? Uh, We did it. (laughs) We did it. Now, we can say this is not us applauding ourselves. This is them applauding us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that wasn't that wasn't in no way us congratulating ourselves. That was the invisible army of this is the invisible audience who has been really patient and quiet during this entire broadcast. But yeah. they also haven't laughed. So that's also a warning sign. They were <laughs> just too quiet, to be quite honest. But we do have a surprise for you. We as we teased last week, because clearly you heard the episode exactly when it comes out. I almost made a reference and I'm going to right now. Sure. Kevin, happy life day. Oh, you too. Yeah. For those who don't know, life day is the Star Wars holiday. And the reason why today is life day Although I think they chose another day, it doesn't matter. The reason is because today was when they aired November 17th, the Star Wars holiday special. I am old enough to have excitedly watched it with my friend Val. And even then, oh God, I have a copy of it. And the most exciting thing about it is when they show an ad for the Reggie bar, because I love the Reggie bar. I, I was not a baseball fan. I love the Reggie bar. It was a delicious bar. It was really good. It was a circular peanutty peanut. It was perfect. It was the best part of the Star Wars holiday special. Even the Boba Fett cartoon, as you look back on it, full crap. Anyway, the reason we're talking about this, because of holidays. And we have a surprise. We are going to review holiday movies. Not the yeah. classic ones, but Hallmark. No, just new ones. New ones that are coming out this year. And our first thought was, like everyone, a Hallmark holiday thing. But we want you to be able to watch these films, which is why we're giving you a heads up now. We want you to have watched these episodes. And with a Hallmark, you've got to watch them at a specific time. You've got to have cable when a lot of people don't cable. And even when they show up on Peacock, we learned they explode in 48 hours. The the Hallmark vault is worse than the Disney vault. <laughs> it goes, they just <laughs> it just goes away forever. Ram it back in there. And it's weird because they're also in clamshell cases. <laughs> So we chose what we hope are apps that, if you have apps, are ones you're likelier to have. We're assuming, we made a Hulu reference, because if you're watching us, we're assuming maybe, maybe, maybe it's a fail assumption, that you're watching Moonlighting, which is Hulu. We went with a Netflix one, because that's the one most people started with, and continue to have, despite the fact that they're raising prices probably in the middle of this sentence. And then two from Freebie, which is an offshoot of Amazon Prime, 
which a lot of people have because they did their Amazon Prime thing and they wound up with a subscription as well. Yeah, so we're, so we we're going to do order. we're going to do in December instead of more moonlighting. We're going to start moonlighting back up in January yeah. with season two. Especially uh, with 2024, do... which I'm sure will be a pleasant, cheery year. I'm Easy going all for the way. it. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's going to be happy all right. <laughs> election years we, always are it's gonna be great we're gonna do we're gonna do three maybe four episodes depending on how the third movie does because you'll know yeah you'll know. so the first movie that we're doing i have no descriptions of these uh, i you do, do right? yeah yeah but if you so, want to announce the first movie yeah. sure the first movie we're going to do is best christmas ever which is on netflix and actually came out yesterday i believe so it's available it already Although this is this comes out next Friday, so yesterday is Thanksgiving, I guess. If I say this and you're listening to it the first day, it came out already. By the time you're listening right. to this, it is out. That's what it we'll came say. out the day. It came out on Life Day Eve. Life Day Eve. Yeah. Life Day Eve, which I'm sure you know. Some people like to open presents on Life Day Eve. I don't. I like to. There are no presents. It's just a glowing orb and nonsense. So best Christmas ever, which Netflix is kind of pushing a little. Netflix tends to dump a bunch of films, but the but the only way I could describe it in what may be the most 90 stunt casting possible. Oh, yeah. I mean, the only thing that could be more 90 stunt casting would be like Clarissa explains it all to Alex Max on the Sandlot. <laughs> I really I really <laughs> tried Dwayne, to work Dwayne in. Dwayne Wayne shows up. Yeah, Dwayne Wayne, he flips off the glasses. I really tried to work in a Pete and Pete reference because I love that show. Pete and Pete was such a great show. And I was in my 20s when I watched it. It was a great show. So married couple. Did you ever watch Pete and Pete? I didn't have cable. Oh, Kevin. I know. It is so 90s, but it's such a cool show. It's two brothers that both named Pete. Sucks it's to wonderful. be two, Jess. It sucks, sucks to be two. Didn't have cable. This was 1994, Kevin. I'm telling you, 90s. You were not born in 1992. You were younger no, than I'm me. Doing, but I'm don't so, make me feel. I was just doing the book call back. Oh, God, book. I forgot our own book tie. I our thought you were doing an chest. age thing. And maybe, wow, I failed. I failed. You know, I'm walking away from this. I have embarrassed it's myself. Okay. But it does, suck to, it does suck to be too. We are making that book. If for no other reason that we can't let that title go away. We can't. No, it's such a good maybe, and it, and it And yet I thought it was an age. See, when you're my age, which is not old, old, but ugh, you make a lot of ugh. CIA agents in that awful episode we just watched. And I'm older than everyone Maybe maybe the old guy in the elevator is older than me, the Hitchcock character. Yeah, but maybe not. I think. <laughs> yeah, try to make this work for me, Kevin. He was, try to, he was try 49, to... that guy. He was 49. <laughs> in the 80s, everyone was Wilford Brimley. <laughs> everyone was 40, and they look like they're going to be moved to their next fate. You know, that, yeah. It's not much for them. Just, so, we're just going to – you're 49. We're going to make you comfortable. Yeah, we're going to make you comfortable. <laughs> we're Now – do know at some point before 50, because this is a this is an older version of Logan's run. We can't have that. We're just going to put a pillow on your face and go, shh, uh, shh. Yeah. Everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. It's all going to be. Okay, Red, he's dead. Move him. So this is Heather Graham and Jason Biggs. <laughs> We're back to the episode, by the way. So best Christmas we ever. just we just we just murdered somebody, and we're right back <laughs> into Jason. And we're right back into Christmas. Okay, like best Christmas ever. That we have chosen Christmas, <laughs> as you pointed out, they help because they all have Christmas in their title. Is this the most inclusive thing we've ever done? No, 
Not even we close. Set out, we're like, we're making a holiday movie checklist. Oh. We picked four movies. And then when I made the list, because I'm trying to make a graphic for Instagram, every single one of them said Christmas. <laughs> I was like, oh, all right, well. We're like that angry person who gets upset when you say seasons, greetings, or happy holidays. Our list is that angry person. You mean Merry Christmas. It's like, yeah. I don't care what I mean. Yes, fine. Just pay and let the next customer get in line. Just get the, just move. Whatever. Fine. I'm sorry. It's sort of like in, in New York City, they have a large menorah near the plaza. Yeah. Now, New York City, I live in New York. Kevin lives near New York. New York City, and I, I love Christmas. I like, I, like, uh, I, like that my, I like that my location is becoming more vague than David Addison's. <laughs> it's like, I don't like want to give you people said, where you live. You said live. I was in New Jersey, maybe, and then you tried to take it back last episode, and now I live near New York. I'm in, he is within I, a I radius of Manhattan. Yeah. yeah. It, you can it, get there within the same day. It might be a short plane ride. It might be a short <laughs> chain ride. I yeah. might be able to walk. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> but you'll be able to get there within that day that you wish yeah. to get there. Yeah. So there are so many Christmas trees. And I love Christmas. I don't have any religious connection because my family had a rankin bass Christmas. Love Christmas. Love the Christmas trees. But there's one menorah. There's only one menorah. I mean, there's probably within Temple, but an outdoor menorah. There's only one. And it's great. It's beautiful. It's this big menorah. They actually have to use a cherry picker to light the, with the lights. Everything It's big. It's in front of the plaza. Someone thought, okay, we got to get a crash right across the street from it because we can't have that happen. So that's kind of inadvertently us. It's like, we can't. No, it's all Christmas all the time. Oh, dear God. That wasn't meant to be a political statement. I'm just always surprised that they couldn't let a menorah give enough space to give the radius that even Kevin is allowed to come to Manhattan to. <laughs> Let's, but the, I just want to make sure that everybody is aware after a whole thing that he just said that Kevin and Chez... <laughs> Kevin and Chez are just making it okay to say Christmas again. <laughs> <laughs> That's the last thing I want us to be. That's Karen what we're trying Karen to make sure you guys to, yeah. know. <laughs> Karen and Karen are here to let you know it's okay. <laughs> I probably have a relative who is not going to listen to this because she doesn't like me for reasons that I, the joke, the references I just made. And she would probably go, well, finally, he's on the right page. Yeah, you know? we did it. You're going to be did invited it. back to you know Christmas. What? They're allowed to come to Florida Christmas. So married couple. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can't. Right. Be, we. I think we were actually doing well on time, and this is where it nah, all falls yeah, we're apart. we're not good. We're gonna have to. Yeah. We're gonna have to pick this up. Okay, Heather, Heather Graham, and Jason Biggs learn that singer Brandy, Brandy Norwood, they find out if her fantastic Christmas letters every year are the real deal. Heather Graham, Jason Biggs, Brandy. I'm assuming at the end of this movie, everyone either does the Bartman or the Urkel. <laughs> And that's how it ends because it has to be so 90s. That's December 1st, people. That's when I, that's when we put up the podcast. You can watch it now. Get ready. Join us in for the party. December yeah, 8th. Yeah, so the, the Friday after the last this episode of Moonlighting comes out. So next Friday, since you're listening to it on the day it comes out. December Even 1st I'm getting be, confused at this point. Yeah. December we'll 1st will be, first be the Christmas. first Christmas movie. And it'll be best Christmas ever. And we're hoping it is. All right, well, thank you for listening to the first season of Moonies Never Say Die Hard. Uh, oh, I think we've had a good time overall. I think Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I still had yeah. a good time complaining about this episode. I didn't have a oh, good time watching the best. it. Yeah. Complaining's the best. But we hope uh, we hope you stick around for season two. We are doing the whole bit. We're running through. We're doing all uh, seasons. We don't look <laughs> ahead so that we have reason not to know how many seasons are because, again, watching day by day. But we hope you enjoy it. We hope you stick around for our Christmas movies. Merry Christmas! Our holiday movie selection. <laughs> Dear God, we really we really <laughs> should try it a little harder. And now stay tuned for your local news. Tonight on Eyewitness News.
What does a bank really do with your money? You'll be...